Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you will be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. The book of Psalms, chapter 119. Amen, that very long chapter and that very long book, you can just almost open it right in the middle and you're there. Amen. Psalms 119, verse 121, where we'll begin this morning. The psalmist writes, and he says, I have done judgment and justice. He said, I've done my best to be righteous. I've done my best to do what's right. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Now, I want you to get the picture here. We get it lost in the King James, but he's in trouble. And he's not seen what he want to see. He says, I keep looking. I keep looking, I keep looking, and my eyes fail as I'm watching for salvation. He says, deal, verse 124, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. And then verse 126 is where I want to draw your attention. He says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work. It is time for thee, Lord. To work, for they have made void thy law. By the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to speak to you from this subject, moved by man. Amen. Moved by man. One more time today, why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask God for His help and His anointing today. Lord, we feel your presence today. Hello, tomboy, you say. And Lord, we stand in awe. Lord, we are so grateful for what you're doing in this house today, God. We feel that you are already working, but I am praying now for anointing in the administration of your word that, God, it would reach its intended target. That, God, someone would be encouraged. That someone that came in with weakness would leave with strength today. That, God, your name would be exalted through your word. And Lord, we give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in our lives. God, we give you worship in advance, Lord, for how your word is going to feed us and edify us today. And we give you that glory and honor. Could we just clap our hands to the Lord today? Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. You will never find in all the world more polar opposites than mankind and God. Look everywhere. They say that opposites attract. It's true. My wife and I are quite opposite in many ways. And uh, she would remind me that she's the better side of that opposite and uh, helps me along, and she certainly does. But there is even a greater opposite there than just between a man and a woman. There is that great difference, that great divide between God and man. God is described as eternal. Man is described as mortal. Daniel 
will write of the Lord. And he says that he is the ancient of days. He's the beginning and the end. The psalmist will write of man. He will say that man's days are as the grass of the field and they quickly fade away. You're here and then gone and in the span of time you occupy but just a blip on the radar of human history. The Lord Himself in the book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 will describe a difference. He says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden man burdened with the trials of life but God is the giver of peace. I will give you rest. God will go even further in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah and He will describe again the differences between Himself and man in Isaiah chapter 58, 55 and verse 8 He says, My thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And then He doesn't just point out the difference. He lets us know that there is a great divide between us and God. It's not close. I am not even in the same uh, universe with the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are separated out from your thoughts. This divine divide is there between myself and God. God in His omnipotence. God in His omniscience. And man just merely dust of the ground, we see this divine divide illustrated again when Isaiah encounters the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, and he was high and lifted up, and his train of victories filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one cried unto another, and they're not talking about man here, they're talking about the Lord. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory, and the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. This is God. And then Isaiah, after seeing this incredible vision of the greatness and the splendor and the majesty of his God, he turns and it's as though he sees himself in the mirror and he says, Woe is me. It's a moment of revelation. There's God in his splendor. There's God with the seraphim crying, Holy, holy, holy. And then he turns and he looks at himself, Woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man. I'm just mortal. I'm just dust of the ground. I'm just creation. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There is this divine divide between God and man. And yet as we move through time, we find that many are offended by this statement. Many are upset by this difference being pointed out because this divide between the brilliance and majesty of God and the lowliness of man makes me uncomfortable because it takes so much out of my hands. It removes so much power from me. 
I want to walk around and talk about my accomplishments. I want to walk around talking about my wisdom and my power and my ability. But when I begin to get a vision like Isaiah, I say, woe is me. God is above me. It points to my imperfections. It points to my weaknesses and flaws. And it exalts another. And man runs from this description of God. Many people have tried to tone back this difference outside of the church. They've elevated man. Outside of the church, they've tried to say that man is at the top of the evolutionary food chain. There is no God. I am by myself. I am what I make of myself. And all the power that I need is resident within me. Within the church, I find a troubling trend that many have tried to make God more human. Many people have gone to the miracles of the Bible and they will not describe them in terms of the miraculous, but rather they will describe them as natural phenomenon. One man said that they are nothing more than symbolic works. These things, these supernatural moments in the Bible are nothing more than fables that illustrate a spiritual principle that God did not really speak heaven and earth into existence, that God did not really separate the waters, that God did not really raise the dead. These are just fables. This is man's feeble attempt to bring God down to his level so that he can exalt himself. And many have tried to remove this divine divide between myself and God. And yet as I stand before you on this Sunday morning, I am not ashamed to tell you that I find great comfort within that divide because I know that there is one that is greater than me I know that I don't have all the power life has taught me that I don't have all the wisdom life has shown me that I don't have all the answers but I know a God that is above me I know a God that has all wisdom and all authority and all power I know that there's a place that I can run it's become something of a little mantra for myself, but the psalmist says it like this in Psalms chapter 61 and verse number 2. He says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, when I've reached the end of my rope, and I've come to that realization that I don't have the power to fix this problem. I don't have the wisdom to hold my own life together. I don't have it all put all nice and neat. And I don't have life by the tail. I've come to a place where I recognize I'm overwhelmed. He said, but lead me to the rock. Lead me to a place. Lead me to a God that is greater than me. Lead me to a place of security. A place where God takes care of man. Dear friend, I want you to know on this Sunday morning that you may have come in feeling a little overwhelmed with life. You may have come in feeling in despair. I can't hold this together any longer. I don't know what I'm going to do about all these things that have come against me. Can I just tell you there is a God that is in control. There is a God that still sits on the throne. There is a God that knows about your tomorrow. There's a God that knows what you're going to face and He's already made provision for every road you're going to walk down. 
Can I tell you today, I don't despair that there's someone greater than me, but it builds my confidence that when I lift my voice to God, that God can handle all of my needs. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning, He's bigger than that sickness that has had you worried. He's bigger than that problem that you haven't told anybody about. He's bigger than that situation with your children. He's bigger than that situation in your family. He's bigger than that situation that you've got going on in your life. God is in control. But somewhere along the way, i got to let go of it. Somewhere along the way, i got to get out of the way. Somewhere I've got to stop letting that be just a cute little phrase in the church and let it be my life. Because God forgive me, I'm good at talking and I'm real bad at doing. Man, Sunday morning I can come in and say, God, I believe. And God, I God, I trust. And God, I know you're going to work this out. And then I walk out those doors. And I wear a hole in the carpet pacing. And my wife will look at me and see. She says, you've got that. She's saying this a lot. She said, you've got that drawn look on your face. She said, I know. That's genetics. She said, I got, you got that drawn look on your face that says you're worried. Because I'm good at saying, God, I trust. And then I walk out the door and says, God, let me figure this out. God, let me, let me plan my path through this valley. God, let me order my own steps. Oh, dear friend, I've come to tell you today that God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need your wisdom. God doesn't need your strength. What God needs is your submission to just say, God, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I believe you're going to bring me through. Isaiah had to say it like this in Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 13. He says, who? You ought to go home, point at yourself in the mirror and say, who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him? Who told God what to do? Who told God how to fix my tomorrow? Who instructed God on how to fix this? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding? Verse 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. <laughs> the biggest problem you got going on is just a small thing in the might of God. And they're counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles as a very little thing. When I'm struggling and I'm pacing the floor and I've got that drawn look on my face, God's standing there saying, if you'd just let me have it, if you'd just let go of it, if you'd just acknowledge that divine divide, that's a small thing for me to handle and I could bring you through. Jeremiah puts his own spin on this in Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17. He says, ah, I like the way he starts it. He can't even come to words with the revelation. He just says, ah, 
Ah, Lord God, I behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing. There is nothing. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm facing, but there is nothing. Oh, but you don't know what I'm facing right now this week, but there is nothing. There is nothing too hard for thee. The psalmist again will write in Psalms 146 and verse 3, he says, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. But happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in his Lord, is in the Lord his God. Do you know how to move from stress to happy? Do you know how to move from a drawn look to an act of rejoicing? You just got to walk with the Lord and say, He's my God. He's my God. He's going to bring me through. I don't know how. I don't know when. But He's going to bring me of this and that's all stuff we know but in spite of this divine divide God this king of kings this lord of lords this alpha and omega this maker of man allows himself to be moved by man such distance such a gap between he and I. I'm just the dust of the ground. But when the dust of the ground speaks, the Lord of glory listens. I can't compare to him, oh God. I'm not like him. I, I can't measure myself against him. But when this mortal... <laughs> When this sinful man lifts my voice, I see the Lord of glory lean forward on his divine throne. Let me hear. <laughs> Let me hear what my creation is saying. <laughs> Let me hear what they're going through. <laughs> and across the divine divide, the prayers of man reached to the throne of heaven. And God would be moved by man. We find the psalmist in trouble in our text this morning. And he lifts his voice. And it's just the way I read it. Maybe I'm putting my own interpretive spin on it, but he, he sounds to me like he's frustrated. If I could see the psalmist, he would have a drawn look on his face. If I could see the psalmist, he'd be pacing in his, in his throne room. He'd be walking around trying to figure out what's going on. And he says in verse 121, he says, I've done judgment and justice. I've done my best to be righteous. He says, don't leave me to my oppressors. I've not always got it right. I'm not perfect, but don't leave me in this trial that I'm in. But come down and be surety for thy servant for good. 
Let not the proud oppress me. The details, what was happening or lost, we don't know who he's dealing with, what the situation or how long he's been there. But we can surmise this one point. The trial that he's facing has become more than his quiet confidence can bear. He's gone to church. He's been faithful. He's even tried to lift his hands. But the oppressors remain. He declares his trust in the Lord, but his oppressors keep coming back. He's given the Lord glory, but here they come again with their words, and the valley stretches out ever longer before him. So finally, in a moment of agony and frustration, he lifts his voice to the Lord in verse 126, and he just simply declares, It is time for thee, Lord, to work. I don't know how much more I can take of the valley. I don't know how much longer I can deal with the oppressors. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that God has granted unto mankind the privilege of prayer. That when you lift your voice, no matter where you're at, when you lift your voice, no matter what you're going through, that God would begin to listen. And not just listen, but God would begin to move. We see it throughout the course of the Bible. Hezekiah in despair over his illness. And he lifts his voice to the Lord. And oh God, hear me. I need a little help. And as Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 5, God declares, I have heard thy prayer and I will add unto thy days Moses stands in the gap for the people of Israel and the Lord says it like this in Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 19 uh, Moses declares but the Lord hearkened unto me at that time God sent an angel to Daniel who was on his knees in faithful prayer. And the angel declares in Daniel chapter 10 and verse number 12, he says, Thy words were heard, and I am come. This angel that just walked into your story, this angel that just stepped into your circumstance, declares, I am come. For thy words, do you hear me today, that when you begin to pray, that when you begin to lift your voice, that God begins to send angels, and God begins to speak. And he says, I am come because you began to pray. I am come because you got down on your knees. Can I just speak to you what I feel right now? Some of you have lost your faith in prayer because you've been praying so long and you've not seen that angel. You've been praying so long and you've not seen that miracle. You've prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you've not seen the door open, but I've come to reestablish your faith in that blessed act of prayer that God is hearing you. Just keep praying. Can I tell you on this Sunday morning, your prayers are echoing in the halls of heaven and God at the right time is going to work. 
You hear me, mother? You keep praying for that lost child. God hears. You hear me, father? You keep praying for your home. God hears. You hear me, saint of God? You keep praying over that situation. God hears. And there's going to come a moment. There's going to come a time when it's in God's time and not man's time that there's going to be something that changes. And God says, I heard your words and I am come for your words. James chapter 5 verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much (laughs) you've been talking but you've been wondering at the same time you've been saying the words but doubt has been nagging in the back of your mind does God hear does God care would God work will God show up and I've come today to tell you it availeth much it availeth much words of the psalmist when I first read this They shook me, shocked me. He seems to have forgotten the divine divide. He speaks almost brashly to the Lord. It is time for thee, Lord, to work. Something got a hold of my heart when I read that. And for just a moment, I cringed. Stop, David. Don't talk to God like that, David. You're just man. Did you forget about the divide? Did you forget you're just dust in the ground? Who are you, David, to talk like that to God? It is time for thee, Lord, to work. I admit, in my times of prayer, sometimes I get a little carried away and I got to go back and I pause and I say, sorry, God. I'm not mad at you, Lord. This is going on. I I feel like I overstepped my bounds sometimes. And I feel like David got a little out ahead of himself here. Got so frustrated with the oppressors. Got so upset with the problem. It's time for thee to work. But if you read back through the chapter, you'll find that David had a foundation for his prayer. David was not praying based upon his own authority. David did not come before God with some pretense of grandeur. I'm I'm great. I'm the king. Listen to me. It's time. That wasn't what David was doing. David mentions his own judgment and justice, but his own righteousness was not the basis for his prayer. We find the foundation for his prayer in Psalms 119, verse 124, when he simply says these words, Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy. Not because I have authority to order God around. Not because I'm so righteous that I've earned some work of the Lord in my life. He says, but God, I'm crying out because I've reached the end of my endurance. I've come to the end of my rope. My heart is overwhelmed. 
And I'm praying, not based upon anything from me, but upon your mercy. That God, you would look down in grace and you would see me where I am and you would take pity on this poor man. God, don't deal with me according to my righteousness. There's nothing there but filthy rags. God, don't deal with me according to my own authority. I have no authority in heaven, but God, deal with me according to thy mercy. And when the prayer of man and the mercy of God meet, that's when God begins to work. That when you just bury your face in a carpet somewhere, and God, I don't know how much longer I can hold on. God, I need a little mercy right now. God, I need a little intervention. That's something in the nature of God begins to move. The mercy of God begins to stir and God steps into my story and God steps into my life and God is moved by man. Because <laughs> somewhere I got down on my knees and began to lift my voice and God in His mercy was moved. Psalms Chapter 4, verse number 1, the psalmist says, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Dear friend, I felt this all week as I've been praying, God, what do you want me to say? And this is what's been burning in my heart to tell you. You've lost your faith in prayer. You've lost your direction and you don't even know that God hears you. But I've come today in the Holy Ghost to tell you, God hears. And if you'll just keep praying that the mercy of God is moving within Him and God will do the work at the right time. <laughs> Would you stand with me all over this building today? You may have come in this morning with distress. You may have come in here today with your faith beaten and battered and questions in your mind. Does God hear me? What's the point of prayer if I don't see miracles? What's the point of getting on my knees and lifting my voice if I never see the door open? And I want you to understand this on this Sunday morning that you're moving God. And when God is moved, I can be steady. I've been cast about by fear. I've been rocked about by doubt. <laughs> the storms of life have blown me here and there. But the psalmist one more time writes in Psalms 55 verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. That if I'll just keep lifting my voice in prayer, I find that there's a place of peace. 
I find that there's a place of steady safety. And I'm no longer blown about by fear. And I'm no longer rocked by doubt. For he who has been moved by my prayer and by his mercy shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. All over this building, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? That need in your life, that prayer that you've set aside, would you bring it out again and lift it to the Lord? That situation you've been battling and you've been fearful of and you've been wondering, is God going to help me out here? Would you just begin to lift your voice? And would you just begin to pray? God, have mercy on me. I'm opening up this altar on this Sunday morning. Some have already come, but would you just come now? And make your petitions known to the Lord. Come on, you've been hiding for a little while. You've been saying the word, but you've not been praying it with faith. You've been wondering if God would ever respond. And I've come today to tell you, God is moved. God is moved with compassion. And when God is moved, I find that place of rest. <laughs> oh, God, hear me today. God, it's time. I've tried everything on my own. It's time, God. My heart is overwhelmed. I don't know where else to turn. It's time, God. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.